Are we going to start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the Voice of the Valley, everyone. This is Jeremy Pinch, and uh, I have Pastor John asleep over here to my left. Sleepy uh, John. Sleepy John, (laughs) and uh, Pastor Rick across the way. Now, John, why why were you just sleeping as we started the podcast? It's boring in here. I mean, <laughs> why else do people sleep in church buildings? Well, I can think of a few reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, John, your your sermon on Sunday um, was fitting to some of the distractions that we had on stage. I'm not going to name names uh, in this podcast, but we had a, we had a few uh, distractions. Can you give took... us their initials? <laughs> Wait, on su- you're talking about on Sunday? On Sunday, yeah, we had a, we had a couple yeah. distractions, yeah. but uh, a couple days ago. I mean, it, I. I remember the times I was distracted, yeah. but yeah, I just was checking <laughs> yeah. my facts. Oh, yeah, it was uh, uh, when you went through those uh, distractions um, first thing in your service. That was some great reminders of what's taking place at Sun Valley. Yeah, and and I guess in, in a strange way, uh, affirming the faithfulness of God yeah. to us, even though those things happened, and yeah. and even on the day of that sermon. More things happened. We can add to the list yeah. of things. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there'll be things in the future. Yeah. He always you know? provides sermon illustrations. Yeah. It's part of his faithfulness. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I just want to clarify this with you, John, because I know you've accused me numerous times about this, but I was not the one who pulled the fire alarm back at the high school. Although you've blamed me numerous times for that. Well, I'm just going strictly on the reputation of character <laughs> when I accuse things, or accuse people of things. So we, we don't it definitely crossed my mind names. numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, well, uh, we were at we were at um, our family had my parents' fiftieth um, wedding anniversary, and we were. Um, uh, in a castle in Colorado Springs, and it's the the headquarters of, of Navigators, and I think it's Glen Erie up in there. And there's a ancient, not ancient, I mean, a hundred year old castle that is just absolutely gorgeous. Hmm. And this one room was his library, had a massive fireplace, you know, um, massive, like eight to ten feet tall and twelve feet wide, oak paneling all the way to the ceiling absolutely beautiful and i had a young nephew in the room and he was like four years old oh no yeah and we were getting this tour and the tour guide was and this is where captain so-and-so read and and, you know and my my little nephew goes this room is boeing (laughs) (laughs) and he marched out (laughs) so this service is boeing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had our fair share of distractions throughout the years. We, uh, there's, there's been some that have happened during the service, not, not particularly during the, the sermon. Um, there was the, the rogue tambourinist um, that we had. <laughs> what? I remember her? The rogue tambourinist. Remember her? Oh yeah, yeah, she yeah. Was visiting. Yeah. I thought you. That was a setup. I thought you planted her. Yeah. No, we no? definitely didn't. No. Okay. No. Yeah. We were. I was. I was on the drums that day. So that's I, something new. That's something new, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I uh, something was just off, 
there was something off with the music that day and, and come to find out that we had we had a tambourinist out there just offbeat. A guest tambourinist. Yeah, a guest, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. She's she's heard, you know, the stories. Ten years thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago when I visited this church, there was flags <laughs> and there was tambourines that it mm-hmm. where did they go? Dancers. Yeah. The dancers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chalk chalk artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, but I mean, you think about you think about the, where that all is coming from. You know, the the interruptions that we face, you know, as Christians, really need to be uh, viewed from a different lens, right? Uh, different viewpoint, yeah. because of our God being mm-hmm. sovereign um, over the uh, wind and which direction it's blowing. Yeah. And so these kind of things are. I think ordained by God to accomplish His purposes, yeah. like there in Mark too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So often when I go to the store and I see somebody that I don't want to talk to, I do like the go the farthest route possible in the store to get my stuff and then mm. get out of there. But yeah. that's a that's a great opportunity. So I'm still gonna do that, and if yeah. and if it's ordained, <laughs> they'll find me. <laughs> Serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's you. It's goodness. Hmm. I, I wondered if that was you. I saw you right in the face, and I thought, <laughs> I is saw, that really them? I saw you right in the face. <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you waving to me. <laughs> but now that you have me cornered by the milk, <laughs> oh, that's him. <laughs> oh, well, this Sunday, we also started some new uh, new Sunday seminars. We did. And uh, I had somebody come up to me, and they, they asked me between services, you know, how, how would you choose between the, the, the Sunday seminars? And I said, whatever one Rick's not teaching. Yep. I had a, but he's a couple of people who asked yeah, that. <laughs> that's the unfortunate thing is. Well, I t- told the person who told me that they were trying to avoid me. I said, well, this week I'd like, you should probably go to that room. <laughs> next time you should probably go to this room. <laughs> There's but no this, but this, this quarter, we're not allowing switching, right? So yeah. once you choose, you have to remain? I don't know. After all the overregulation we've been through with our government, this is a limited <laughs> but if you government are, seminar. If you are a switcher, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going to say. <laughs> a Halloween mask. Yeah. Not, a, not a Fauci yeah. mask. <laughs> like like uh, Sanford's son. Sanford gave uh, his sister-in-law a plastic bag and said it was a Halloween mask. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> And then so, the police came. Yeah. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> no, so I, I heard just the opposite, actually. I heard if whatever Rick's teaching, go there. That's what you heard? That's what I heard. Seriously. Well, so it was... That's uh, gracious. Yeah. Yeah. It well, was, uh, sorry, I was telling people the opposite, so... I normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Well, uh, and that's because we lost three teachers over... Um, over While we were shut down with COVID. It, not because of COVID. It's not related. They just moved away. And so yeah. we're kind of strapped. Yeah. So that's, so that's the explanation for people's negative. But we have a new teacher now that we haven't had in the adult department <laughs> we before. We do. I'm excited. Neil. Neil's going to be teaching yeah. with me in Psalms. Yeah. yeah. Psalms that's exciting. Programs. It's really exciting. Yeah. And he's taught with you up in student ministry. Yeah. He still does. He does. So I wonder yeah. if you could like get him like a costume, some shepherd garb or something. He's got the beard for it. That's what I mean. Yeah. He's, he's got everything else going for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Maybe a slingshot and a robe or something. I, mean, <laughs> awesome. can... I would love it. So... I would pay money to see Neil in a slingshot and in a robe. And he's into a guy, church. he can actually, he pulls off the mustache from time to time. He's got the mustache. And he and actually makes it work. Yeah. 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 So uh, what's, uh, Rick, the, what's, your, I guess, your hope, your desire that the P 
people who attend um, the Psalms class will come away with? What are you What are you looking for there? Well, uh, I want them to have a, a a deep grasp of what it means to go through this world as sojourners and exiles, like like Peter talks about us being in First Peter two eleven, um, on our way toward the heavenly city mm-hmm. with hope. And that's the whole idea behind Psalms for Pilgrims is we have this um, 15 psalms um, right after Psalm 119 that are called the Psalms of Ascent. Mm -hmm. And they would be sung by um, the Jewish pilgrims as they were heading up to Jerusalem for the three feasts, the Feast of Booths and Passover, and I think it was the Feast of Weeks. And they, you know, tracing the thought in those psalms, they get progressively... um, like, you know, it focuses on our wandering, you know, and, and what it looks like to be outside of, you know, the city of God, and it looks mm-hmm. toward the city of God, and it really deals with the breadth of life experiences. Even um, Psalm 126 deals with um, the Babylonian captivity, and so really you have a whole range of experiences, and then there's some other psalms, like this week we looked at Psalm 46, and um, which is the psalm Luther used to, to write, a mighty fortress is our God, and the one common theme between all those pilgrim psalms is they're looking toward the temple. They're looking toward the presence of God and what that actually means for his people hmm. on this side of heaven. And so that's what I'm hoping is that people would, one, get comfort to be able to take the, the deep theology that we find there and apply it in a way that would give them true encouragement and peace hmm. um, as they face unstable times and be able to minister that hope to others. Yeah, I have a, a friend who's really proficient in the psalms and uh we were talking about the psalms of ascent once and uh he's done some work on those and to the point where he believes that they were written specifically and included specifically right after psalm 119 which ends with one verse uh verse 176 i have gone astray like a lost sheep right Hmm, and 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 then comes psalm 120 the first psalm a psalm of ascent all the way through the the last psalm of ascent, and he's convinced it is hands down the clearest presentation of the gospel besides Psalm besides Isaiah fifty three in the Old wow. Testament, huh. and it's really impressive. You can see it; it, it develops like you say um, through the psalms of ascent to where you are drawn back into fellowship, back into uh, communion with God in those psalms, mm. which is the intent. And those psalms, of course, are sung by the people yeah. ascending Mount Zion, going to the city of Jerusalem. They were singing right. those from, like, say, Galilee up to Jerusalem on their uh, annual ascent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they would sing those things mm, and that's cool. reminded them of the gospel. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And does, does, he, does he see in Psalm 127, children are our heritage, does he see an ultimate pointing forward to the child who would... Yes, it, it's pointing towards Christ, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and cr- Christ being our hope. Yeah. That's the, the ultimate hope, right? Right. So, yeah, hmm, exactly. Cool. See, I'm excited about this. I don't think we've done a class specifically on Psalms before. I mean, I could be wrong, but We've it's... done Psalms, but it's like uh, it's been from the pulpit. I, yeah. I think eight or ten years ago, one summer, we just did a different Psalm every Sunday. Oh, hmm. interesting. Um, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that, Jeremy. No, I don't. You, you were probably in Australia. I was asleep. I actually yeah. don't. I don't remember that. Yeah, so it must have been before so you. It might have been before me. So yeah. So we, and we just... did. We did do um, Psalm one nineteen. Wait, that's right. When was that? 
Yes, which, that was. Which, I can't it's really which years fuzzy in my memory. <laughs> yeah, but as far as a yeah. seminar, um, yeah, that's I think first. this is the first one that since I I've think been that's, overseeing. That's a great idea. So, church, um, go to the Psalms seminar, yeah. and if you don't like uh, Neil or Rick, mm-hmm. then you could go to David Palmer's Sunday school class, Sunday seminar on discipleship. Yeah. What's, what's, he, what's he communicating? What's, what's the plan there? Well, so we look at the Christian life and like the normal Christian life. In what, the Psalms of Ascent. In the Psalms of Ascent. <laughs> <laughs> and when we, we should be understand every single Christian should be understanding the Christian life as a life of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Not only their own discipleship, but discipling others. Wait a minute, go and make disciples, kind of? I was thinking, that, I mean, that had entered my mind <laughs> a little. <laughs> Uh, that and all the rest of the New Testament yeah. expects that every single Christian will be helping other people mm-hmm. to know the Lord and walk with Him. That's the so any Christian who does not um, participate in the discipleship process with with others is a Christian living in disobedience, mm-hmm. so, or or they're not a Christian, or they're not a Christian and they need they to are. be discipled. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the whole point of this class, and it's it is not. Um, an academic class. It is, is and with our seminars, we don't want to be just academic on anything. The whole goal is to apply all of scripture to all of life. That's really what this is about. And, but this one is especially just a very clear look week by week at different steps of discipleship from figuring out who to disciple to how to get started, even looking at some book suggestions that might be helpful for young Christians growing up in the faith. On the last four weeks of the class, we're going to be looking at um, something we called serving and struggle, which is how do we disciple people who are going through some very common things that people end up going and seeing counselors for outside the church. Mm. I got got Mm -hmm. an interjection here. Yeah. Um, You know, you you talk about these classes would be good for young Christians. Mm -hmm. I think discipleship is a good class for any Christian. And here's why. What, What did... Um, Mark record just in Mark 2 that we just studied on Sunday. You had scribes who were experts in the law, right? Yeah. They were um, academically trained in the law. They knew the scriptures backward and forward, probably way better than we do. Yeah. You know, in terms of Old Testament. Definitely. Right? But they were standing in the presence of Christ and didn't recognize him. Right. They rejected Mm -hmm. him, in fact. Yeah. They said he was blaspheming. He was of the devil. Mm -hmm. And so... We can have people who think they're believers yeah. in our church sitting academically in our services learning doctrine and theology and not see Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the most powerful point you made on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. About the scribes. It's sobering. It they really were, is. They were sitting there thinking everything was fine. Yeah. Literally sitting there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and my comment about young Christians wasn't as much that... We want young Christians in the class because we do. It was that we want cr- every Christian to be able to disciple a Christian who's younger in the faith than they are. And so I think the point is that if you've got a new believer who's been a Christian for, for six months, there's somebody who has been a Christian for a month somewhere that they can sure. disciple. We all of us need and, to be part of what's called the discipleship sandwich. And a large portion of our church have young children who yep. need to be discipled. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And what a great class for them. Exactly. So, so what does that look like? What does it mean to disciple someone else? It's the most basic definition of it, and this is um, I, we're reading through Mark Dever's book, Discipleship, which is a small little blue hardback. Mm. Um, 
can read it in any evening. Um, he just says that discipleship is helping helping other people um, know and love Christ. Mm. It's just helping someone else know and love Christ. And you can see there, you can actually disciple an unbeliever by doing an evangelistic Bible study with them. Um, you can disciple... Because uh, yeah, conversion is part of discipleship. That's part of it. Yeah. That'd be like the first step. And in order for someone to come to the point of conversion, they have to actually learn about Jesus so that they know who it is that they're believing. Yeah, faith comes from hearing, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have yeah. an intellectual assent mm-hmm. to something before you can embrace it with faith. Yeah. Yeah, which is what discipleship does. It is. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's not... It, I think the clearest passage... Um, I mean, the one that I keep going back to is right out of Colossians 2, 6 through 7. He really sums up the whole Christian life in its relationship to discipleship. Um, When he says, uh, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, okay, so there's step one, so walk in him. And that's the rest of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We want to help other people know Christ Jesus the Lord, and live with Christ Jesus as Lord. And that's a lifelong process. And that's that. That's what Paul said, that that was his whole point yeah. of ministry. Yep. Yeah. To present everyone mature in Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Right. And so these, these four things that we're looking at at the end of that seminar is going to take what we've covered in the first, you know, two-thirds of that class and then applying it to how do you, how do you help people who have... Well, we all have emotions, and emotional struggles of some kind or other. How do we make sense of emotions? Because a lot of times people just think, well, I don't want to, you know, have emotions. I just want to just know the truth and then do it. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm, that's, I'm glad to hear you say that all people have emotions because I've been accused of not having emotions. <laughs> Even John Schubert, let the record show. I mean, right, Jeremy? Has I mean, emotions. I'm, well, that's still up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that's still up in the air. <laughs> and then looking at, so what is God's role? Um, you did design intended role of emotions <laughs> in our lives. <laughs> and then looking at depression, anxiety, and anger, three of the most common yeah. emotional struggles that people have. Yeah. And how do we walk and disciple people through that? So now, Ricky, you guys, you guys as elders just wrote a um, elder position paper on psychotherapy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the church is doing its job in discipling, would that, would that negate that realm of things? Um, it addresses that realm. It doesn't it negate it. it. Okay. Yeah. That realm is there for a reason. Okay. And when, it's interesting when you look at the history of how um, psychotherapy developed, ultimately all of it coming back to, to Freud. Mm-hmm. Um, I call him Sigmund Freud. It's, um, it's called psycho for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's a good point. The psycho, the psycho part comes from a, a Greek word called su- it's suke, yeah. which means soul or spirit. Yeah. And, so when you, and then the ology psychology the the ology part comes from logos yeah right we know that word so it's the whole thing is literally a word about the soul that's the definition if you take it at face value of what it is and so what the church did as it responded to the development of the psychologies in the first part of the 20th century is pastors were trained in the seminaries to outsource um, soul problems that were more than just your basic garden variety. Mm. And the sad thing about that was... Exactly. Because these things do tend to be garden variety because in a sinful world, Mm -hmm. the the, the effects of sin go deep. Mm -hmm. 
And God knew that. It, it wasn't like he left out these super common struggles of depression and anxiety. Well, if the gospel doesn't address life, what what's the point? I mean, obviously it gets us to heaven, right? Right. And that's where people get off the rails and think, they well, do. we're going to heaven and now what? Right, right. Gonna... But the gospel, thank God, yeah. addresses every avenue, every aspect of life. The whole man. Mm-hmm. Which is what Paul was saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work the gospel into every nook and cranny of your life, including your emotional struggles. Yeah. And that's what the gospel does. Yeah. And one of the misunderstandings that people have when they hear a conversation like this is they think that we're poo-pooing medical science and psychiatry. And that's not what's going on because we, of all people, as believers, look to Genesis 3 and we realize the the fall had serious physical implications, sure. that, biggest of which being death, <laughs> right? Well, and mental, so, right? Mental implications. The whole thing, the whole man. Yeah. That's what the doctrine the of total fell. depravity is about. Every mm. single aspect of our existence is affected by sin. And so when people sit down with you as a discipler dealing with serious problems in their lives, it's a good idea to say, hey, have you seen your doctor lately? And go get checked out so that the physical side is taken care of. Mm-hmm. And we're going to minister the word of God to your soul because um, we're not doctors mm-hmm. and we're not interested in practicing medicine without a license. But we're also not interested in putting under an umbrella of um, naturalism, right? And just the, as if the physical was all there is these soul problems, yeah. which is the way that our, our culture does that. And, and, the, and the lines are fuzzy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fuzzy. which is why we, we're going to be the first people to want to work with your doctor, right? Mm-hmm. As disciple makers, take care of the whole man. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have a very physical it, aspect to eternal life, don't we? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, we're the in, new body, you mean? Yeah, the one, the one where we're not precious angel, a, yeah, you know, precious yeah, moments yeah. angels in heaven forever. So the cloud and harp thing isn't real. I mean, uh, what are you saying? I don't know. I haven't been there yet. All I know is that forever. Let us know when you get there. Forever, <laughs> we're going to be down here. Yeah, on the new earth with a new body. New body. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Based on like current body, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, I hear some emotion in that. Well, there's emotion there. I mean, it's. I can hardly I can hardly say it. <laughs> so so Rick, how does how does how do these two um seminars how are they intertwined? So and the Psalms are full of emotion and depression and anxiety and name any, I mean literally any aspect of the human soul that you can think of is addressed in the Psalms. That's how Calvin saw it. Mm-hmm. Luther was, he lived there, and he called the Psalms a, um, the gospel, he, he referred to them as the gospel in the Old Testament, I think. And if discipleship and the Psalms don't go together, I don't know what does, because any any part of our human experience, you're going to find it in the Psalms. And so actually, when we do our seminar in the discipleship class on depression, we're going to be merging it with the Psalms class that day in the commons. And we're going to simply be spending the morning looking at Psalm 42 and 43 Hmm. because that provides a roadmap with how to deal with deep sadness. And the destination, no matter what emotion begins the psalm, ends in the same place. And it's awesome. Hope. Yep. Hmm. Hope in Christ. Hope in Christ. Yeah. Hmm. And that's the point of discipleship. It's not to make people feel better, though it would be nice. And people do tend to feel better when they walk in obedience and, and trust in God. But the goal is 
really it's second Corinthians five, nine, 10, that whether we're in the body or out of the body, our aim is to please him. That's the goal to please Christ. Yeah. So if somebody comes up to you, uh, one of you guys and, and says, um, I want to be discipled. Where would you send them? To you. <laughs> the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> we to know me, what things are. No, I mean, that's a good question, Jeremy. I mean, there there is nothing really mystical about discipleship. Yeah. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Not dry, cut and clear. Um, it's, you get the scriptures into the lives of people, like Devers point you get them to know and love jesus and, and where do you do that where do you discover that you got it in uh, second peter he has given us everything we need for life and godliness through a knowledge of him mm-hmm. right so you ask where do you send them to church <laughs> you you if you're struggling if you're not struggling if you're living life you're going to need to be in the fellowship of the saints you're going to need to be discipled and you're discipled by the preaching and teaching of the word of god mm-hmm. whether that's a one-on-one or one on 150 in our service mm-hmm. you need to have the word of god taught to you explained to you applied to you and when you do that consistently consistently over a lifetime you grow in christ and mm-hmm. you become more like him mm-hmm. that's what discipleship is yeah. and that's how we do it here there's nothing magical there's nothing mystical Someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to be discipled. Okay, great. Let's start by you attending church. Mm-hmm. We, we have Sunday seminars every week. Go to the Sunday seminar. Now, what are you doing privately at home? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you studying the scriptures for yourself? Do you have a plan? So, you know, and, and then, of course, there's all these other avenues. There's personal relationships. There's small groups. There's the Timothy group. There's the, the Pipes and Pens group. There's all sorts of opportunities in our church for mm-hmm. people to grow in Christ, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what discipleship is. Yeah. One of my favorite things is a pastor is being able to connect people. Um, and, you know, so someone's going through a struggle and I say, you know what? So-and-so has been through that or something very similar, and they know what it means to walk with Christ through that. Um, you need to get together with them for coffee. Yeah. Can I facilitate the introduction? You know, when I hear about people actually getting together and having biblical conversations about life and growing in fellowship, that's just kind of like one of the best things that you can see as a pastor, because that's how the body of Christ works. And it, so, it sounds like equipping the saints for ministry. What it, are you talking kind about? Kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just it's four. <laughs> but um, I, I, so I think, where do you send them? Well, it depends on the person. Yeah. It depends on the person. Yeah. Um, but that's what the body of Christ is for is it's we're full of opportunities like that. Now somebody somebody would could come in and say, well, I want to be discipled by Pastor John or I want to be discipled by Pastor Rick. Um, that can be difficult, can't it? No. You guys show up to oh, church as long and as they get preached at by Pastor John. Well, yeah, I, show up to a Sunday <laughs> seminar yeah. and get taught by yeah. Pastor Rick. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. being discipled by John or Rick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if someone doesn't understand that, and you're explaining it now, but somebody say somebody's coming in blind and they're going, I want to be discipled by so-and-so, you would say, well, here are the different avenues, right? You, you would lay out the list of avenues and say, hey, these are these are how we're discipling you guys. Right, seriously. Because my you answer, guys... I've had that question, Jeremy, and my answer is I disciple people every single Sunday morning. Be there. Right. 
Rick disciples people every Sunday morning. Be there. Right. We have Timothy group. Be there. We have small groups. Be there. Right. Right. So that's that's that ha- that has been my that's not a theoretical question or answer. It's what I've said to people. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we do it. Yeah. Now, if they're saying, "Oh, I want a personal one-on-one interaction exactly. with Pastor John or Pastor Rick," that's a different question. Yeah. Yeah. I think would require a deeper conversation. Yeah. What are you asking? Um, do you need a friend who's a pastor? What do you need? But discipleship is much broader than that. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking more along the lines of I, I need an intimate relationship with Pastor John, or I need an intimate relationship with Pastor Nobody has Rick. ever asked me that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy just did. <laughs> And my wife is still wondering whether she made the right call there. Yeah. So about we, Jeremy, or what, what are you talking about? About wanting an intimate relationship with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have we have these different avenues in which people are are being discipled. Use them. Right, and I think there's I think there's a misconception about uh, personal discipleship. A lot of times that yeah. people need to get past. Yeah. And one is that. Only pastors or elders can disciple people. That's not true. The body of Christ, you know, it's that's what Paul said in Romans 14. I have every confidence that you can counsel one another, he yeah. said. <laughs> so it, it is the body of Christ that is involved in deception. But there's also, you know, tech, not technical, um, formal. Formal means of discipleship, and which is why Paul told Timothy to preach the word mm-hmm. in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. Teachers, you know, Paul addressed teachers, um, the importance of teaching the word, sticking to the word, being prepared to teach the word. And, and then, of course, to the body of Christ as a whole, sit under preaching, sit mm-hmm. under teaching. Yeah. yeah. Because the goal of the Christian life is to become like Christ. That's, that's what happens, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Yeah. So, so what, what uh, somebody, there's a... There's an older gentleman um, in the church. Easy. Uh, just nobody in mind. I'm just thinking if there's an older gentleman, older woman in the church who's like, I need, I need an intimate discipleship with somebody, um, but they're all younger than I am. You know, they're they're the senior saint in the church. What is I, what would be the the counsel for that person? Is it is it wrong for somebody younger to disciple somebody older? What I mean, what does that what does that look like? That's no, that's an easy answer. It's, it's not wrong for okay. someone, you know, age wise younger to disciple someone age wise older. Yeah. Um, discipleship has to do with spiritual growth, not you know aging. Yeah. Right. And so I, I sure hope it's okay for someone younger to disciple someone older because otherwise most of our church is outside of my ability to disciple as a pastor. Yeah. And that would be a problem. Yeah. And um, um, Pastor Timothy. Right. He would have had trouble. He would have. Right. Yeah, he Paul said, had to Paul specifically said, write there to Yeah. Him Paul said, don't that. let them look down on your youth. Right. Yeah. But continue to disciple them in yeah. love and faith and purity. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when, so when, 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 did, when does the discipling process begin? Say somebody before they're that, saved. When when somebody becomes you know saved, did they did they immediately start discipling other people? Frequently, is, is I mean, question. that's what we see in the New Testament with um, all these converts at Pentecost being scattered not long after during persecution and bringing the word with them where they went. Mm-hmm. And I think again, Jeremy, we need to make clear 
what we're saying when we say discipleship. Mm. Discipleship is so much bigger than one-on-one. Right. Yeah. Transferring right. your knowledge of Christ to somebody else—that's great and right. good, and you should maybe pursue that from one side or the other. But God's plan of discipleship is the church right. as a whole, right. like a, a corporate discipleship. That is by far more effective than any other discipleship. Yeah. Sitting under the Word of God with your book open pen in hand, listening to someone who's been called by God to do what he's doing. Yeah. That's discipleship. And and to think that, that there's a, a, a more sacred discipleship because it's one-on-one is a misnomer. So why is that? We'll, we'll finish here, but why, why is that? Why do we think that it has to be a one-on-one uh, sit-down discipleship? Thank the navigators. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, my answer is a little different than that, and and this isn't just because our discipleship class is mostly focused on one-on-one discipleship, sure. which it is, because not everybody in the church is going to have a public role to play, but everybody in the church has a discipleship role to play, mm-hmm. right? So the vast majority of Christians won't be teaching a class or in, or leading groups of people in Bible study, but all of them ought to be actively, intentionally seeking um, to utilize the relationships God's put in their sphere of influence to shepherd those individual people to, toward Christ. And so I think that's, from my, from my perspective, why that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it, if it's ever divorced from the aspect that, jo- that Pastor John's talking about, then it's become imbalanced and unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Um, God intends both mm-hmm. in, the, in the life of the church, mm-hmm. and we need that. And, and and I don't I don't mean to disagree with you here, Rick, but there is uh, aspects of corporate discipleship that go both ways. Mm-hmm. Like when we sit around in our small group and and disciple one another in that corporate context. Yeah, the person who is younger in Christ than me mm-hmm. will exhort me and encourage me in walking with Christ more faithfully because of their younger perspective in in the in the truth and gospel right and so there is that back and forth between all levels of spiritual maturity in a corporate setting sure even even in uh ch- even in the sunday morning service mm-hmm. i mean there's that's happening so yeah. uh yeah i i think it's both i mean individual and corporate are critical yeah yeah but i think we default to this individual viewpoint of discipleship and i think that's a mistake yeah 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 well that's good that's good i'm excited for for your sunday seminars and to hear how they're how they're going and if you're not attending a sunday seminar church we would we would exhort you and encourage you to to do so because these will be helpful for your christian walk um there's john he's asleep Church, we love you. (laughs) I look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.